Today on the show, Robbie Earl from the duo City Harbor, plus an exclusive interview with the one and only Taylor Swift. You heard right. So get excited. It's episode 63 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff? My name is Nick Flora. I'm coming to you from beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, in the dead center of January. And it's... Actually, not that cold. Pretty good. Uh, we're probably just around the corner from uh, basically the opening sequence of the day after tomorrow. I'm sure of it. Uh, I just jinxed it, didn't I, by saying that it's not that cold. Anyway, uh, I'm excited, guys. This is a really great episode. Uh, my buddy Robbie Earl is on the show. He's a great dude, great songwriter, currently in the duo City Harbor on Capitol Records. Uh, he's got great insight uh, on music, storytelling, movies. He's just a uh, he's a great artist, but he's also just a great fan. Like I love being around him and talking about the things that uh, that get him excited and, and inspired. And uh, today we talk all about that. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But first, I know it's easy at the beginning, and I don't know how it happened, but guys, Taylor Swift agreed to come on the show and give a short interview. Crazy, right? Seems almost totally made up, right? Well, that's for you to decide. I mean, I was there. I know what I saw. She only had a few minutes, but uh, I just wanted to share with you my chat with the biggest artist on the planet, Taylor Swift. Wow, this is so exciting. Hey, Taylor Swift. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? So I have to thank you for coming on the podcast. You don't know about me, but I'll bet you want to. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, I do want to. That's why I wanted you as a guest. Uh, so I have to ask, what do you think of the podcast studio? This place is too crowded. Well, okay. Well, that's because you invited all the members of the Mighty Mighty Boston's along with you, which I found was an odd choice of a band for you to be hanging out with. Are you a big fan of ska music? That's what people say. Do they? I've never heard that about you, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, now uh, we should let everyone know that you were here because you lost a bet. You bet me that I couldn't beat you in a game of hide and seek. But what happened? I sure did. Don't underestimate my hide and seek skills. I've always said that. So you like games, clearly, because of the hide and seek thing. Do you have a favorite board game? Oh, that's a good one. I'm a Candyland man myself, you know, with all those little pieces. But I can't make them stay. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to make them stay on the board. You're right, sometimes it is. That's what people say. I, I know people say that. I just said it. Just now. Are you paying attention? I see I'm too late. Oh, you're feeling a bit off today? Yeah, well, I get that. I mean, it's important to get good rest eight hours. I don't know, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta sleep. The blame is on me. I understand. Don't beat yourself up. Uh, well, I'll let you go since you're a little bit too tired to be doing an interview today. I do appreciate you coming in. Uh, but just between you and me, how do you feel the, the podcast went? It's miserable and magical. Wow. That's kind of offense. Actually, no, that's a perfect description. Thanks, Taylor Swift. That's what people say. I, I know. People say thanks when you... Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. Wow, I can't believe that really happened. It was not fake at all. Yeah. So uh, today on the show, like I was saying earlier, uh, my buddy Robbie Earl, he's in a duo on uh, Capitol Records called City Harbor, uh, but he's much more than that. I've, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the, 
the past few months especially close because uh, he married a really good friend of mine uh and uh it's it's, it's amazing and he's also started working with uh, at capital records his a and r guy is uh the one and only andrew osanga so i i feel like it was destined that our our paths come together and uh and we have definitely <laughs> not taken it for granted that's for sure much to the chagrin of anybody around us who gets to hear us nerd out about all the things that we love uh but anyway, without further ado, I really think you're going to enjoy this episode, number 63, with Robbie Earl. I find that I generally sink into things. Do you? Yeah, I feel like I'm. I'm kind of, and it's something that I'm. I try to be conscious of of having, of having hot, like, better posture. Do you think about posture? <laughs> I do every now and then. I do whenever I see a, like a article on how our bad posture is gonna like take years off our lives, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have terrible posture. See, for me too, it's because like, I'm taller than most people I'm talking to, so True. the temptation is to kind of stoop down. And then I see like my grandfather who like has kind of like become permanently stooped down. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I'm like, I don't. And then I think, you know, the only reason I think George Washington was even made the general of the Continental Army and then the president was just because he was taller than everybody else. You think so? I think people. How do I we think, know that though? I think historically people just follow taller men. It's true. So I think that the taller I can make myself, the more I can inspire fear and respect and maybe maybe love, but mostly fear and respect. Definitely fear and respect first, you know, which is funny because if I, I know you well enough to know that that's like we just had a discussion about how <laughs> your like your motivation in life is just to just to make people like feel comfortable and, and you will use you will kill people with kindness all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is, so fear and respect doesn't. Fear, fear that's respect. the other side. What if you were like, now the mic's on? Okay, I'm gonna let you know the real me. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the mic's off again, yeah, we can go you, back to you go, like the, the, I'll go back the, to being the, fake. The fake you is the one that just that that is the more lovable and, and like wants to be around. But the business you is like all fear and I'm sure there are people like that. I mean, I know that there are people who are like, ooh, I don't know if I like I respect that guy as like an artist or like a you know public figure or whatever. But like, I don't know if I want to talk to him because he seems. Like uh, he'd be scary. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, people who know that you talk to somebody that knows that person, a celebrity or whatever. And they're like, Oh no, he's actually really sweet. And like, it's, yeah, you know, I'd like Jeff Goldblum is one of those guys. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> I, I love Jeff Goldblum and I don't want to have a conversation with him and him be mean to me. Yeah. Or like Billy Bob Thornton. I just saw him on the golden gloves. And I was yeah. like, I'm so scared for everybody interviewing Billy Bob Thornton that he's going to be like, you're an idiot. And then, yeah. you know, and then walk away or whatever. Yeah. It's funny. I saw an article the other day where J.K. Rowling was talking about how the guy that plays Draco Malfoy mm-hmm. is the nicest person she's ever met, and and I feel like it's that's it's, good acting. Yeah, it is. It also kind of it kind of sucks because I, he was in that first Planet of the Apes movie. Do you remember that? Are you th- he was 
okay. the first of the remakes of the remakes. <laughs> I was about to say, um, I don't no, no, think no. so, unless he's a time lord and uh, <laughs> a time lord. Yeah, he would. <laughs> he's he's actually older than Charlton Heston. He was in the first one. He was <laughs> okay, so he was in the O five reboot with Mark Wahlberg. He was in the oh man, that one? No, not or, that one. Oh, I so forgot the, about that the third one. Third reboot. He was in the he was in James Franco Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay, um, so oh my gosh, there's so many. So he, which I haven't even seen the newest one, but he was in the one. Um, where it's with, not the rise of yes the, that, that one, one okay that one um and uh yeah and he was like the really mean kid that like taunts the monkeys that like which there's always that one character in a movie that i just kind of blame everything that comes after yeah, on it's true so it's like in that movie day after tomorrow oh there's yeah. like one guy at the very beginning that like shoves <laughs> a pick into the ice yeah you're like, and, like the whole dude, world just goes to hell that idiot I think his name's Jason, and I always think of about it because it's it like is. the Jason theory. I'm like, there's always one guy who just ruins it for humanity. And you know, and they introduce him very subtly at the beginning. Yeah. Like in Jurassic Park, it's Wayne Knight, the guy who plays, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know what I'm talking about? Who's yep. New- Newman on Seinfeld. Like yep. as soon as you see him, you're like, this isn't going to end well. Yep. Like, this guy has other ulterior motives that's going to only serve him. And I feel like they're generally guys that like, they, they just, they make choices that kind of make you hate them anyway. Yeah. So it's like like with him, he's just like this gross dude with like a Coke and a bag of potato chips. And he's just like got stuff all over his hands. And you're like, man, I already kind of hate this guy. <laughs> they can do it too. Like, like filmmakers are really good at doing that without the person even saying a word. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just kind of show the lineup of people and you're like, that guy's got to be trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I love it. Like when they end, they end up, they, they sort of play that device on you and then they end up switching it up sometimes, which is always yeah. really good. You're like, Oh, maybe that guy's going to help in a really crucial mm-hmm. point instead of, you know, it's the home alone thing. Like the old guy with the shovel. Oh yeah. You're like, I'm scared of this guy, but he was just misunderstood all along. Yeah. Like Boo Radley. Yeah, exactly. And a fun fact, Boo Radley and To Kill a Mockingbird, played by Robert Duvall. How about that? Really? Did you know that? Robert Duvall's first movie role ever. He was like 19 or something. Really? There you go, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I probably didn't even know who Robert Duvall was. You probably not, yeah. I think I remember watching the movie with my mom and her, him, her saying that. And I was like 13. I'm like, I don't know who Robert Duvall is. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, I can't even remember the first time I was conscious of Robert Duvall as an actor. Maybe Gone in 60 Seconds, which is really... That's embarrassing because he's done some really, like, amazing acting work. That was Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah, but he's like the old mechanic in it. Yeah, I think that's the first thing I saw that I was like, "Oh, who's this crazy old guy? What's he been in?" And then you look it up, and he's been in everything. Yeah, he's like one of the most influential actors in our, of our age. Did you see uh, what is it, The Judge? No, I want to. It was a great movie. Yeah, he's nominated. Got nominated yesterday. Is that what he's nominated yeah. for? Yeah, dude. The only thing nominated from that movie, but he, uh, yeah, that's old RDJ. Trying to get out of Iron Man, try to do some other roles. Yeah, but you know, it was him. it was really good. It really I noticed it wasn't like it wasn't Tony Stark. Like to some degree, it's always well. Robert Downey Jr. does that sort of character really well, where he's like, "I'm the king of my kingdom. I'm the king yeah. of everything." But he's really like the scared kid inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just fun. Even the timing, like the timing of Iron Man, of like the way he does the Tony Stark lines is so crucial. Yeah. And that's why, like, I think that he does it in a way that no one else could do it. But it's funny how he doesn't do that, like, for that film. Like, mm-hmm. he he does, like, a different... It's not quite so, like, fast-talking, like, 
make you feel like an idiot. Sweet it's still there to some degree. The, but it was the just... smug. But Tony Stark gets away with it because he's so he is highly intelligent. Yeah. But he also has the smug playboy thing, mm-hmm. which I think is why. I mean, it makes sense. I watched this documentary on comic books, and it makes sense why all the guys who are writing these comic books, you know, uh, Stanley and his sort of crew, it makes sense that they would make up these characters because they were just like, it's it's essentially. I talked about this with Andrew Peterson, but like superheroes are sort of they may make sense of their popularity because they are sort of like what we wish we were. Yeah. But especially those guys in that time were making these characters that were like, oh man, it'd be so great if like. I'm I am this hyper intelligent nerd, but I was also like really good looking, really rich, yeah, and uh, and also like a, a fast talker, yeah. And like, well, we can invent somebody like that, and so like you know yeah. that's why I think so many of these these uh, characters are, like resonate so strongly. And we were uh, Andrew Peterson. I jumped into like the whole, you know, characters that would never exist in real life, but are so insanely popular, like you know, like Ferris Bueller. Or yeah. somebody that's just like so yeah. like t- there's no teenager on the planet that is that confident. Yeah, you know, like and and is beloved by all. But like that's sort of when you're a teenager, that's sort of like you know. I remember being like, man, if I could just make everybody like me, like <laughs> I think. Yeah, you know, man, it's funny because I think about that. How much like every time you watch any movie, whether it's like whether it's like a like a Christopher Nolan movie, where you know you see like. You see like Leo walking through a dream and just being a badass. And yeah. You're just like, oh my gosh. Like he just knows what he's doing. Yeah. Or you see, or, or it's like Ocean's Eleven and like Brad Pitt's just like walking through with his like eating apple that he's eating. And, yeah. And he's just like, <laughs> and it's like after, like everyone wants those movies where someone just like is so confident and knows how to do everything and like always has a trick up his sleeve. You can ascribe your, you can like throw yourself on yeah. that person and. Not literally, but you know, figuratively, like throw yourself on the oh. person. Maybe literally too. I don't know. You might want to do that, but just be like, I want to be this person. Oh, I mean, I would finish. I remember, like, especially when I was like in high school, I would finish a movie, like an Ocean's Eleven movie, and I would walk differently afterwards. Dude, I know exactly. You know what, what I'm saying? saying? Like, Does that happen anymore? I mean, I want to recapture that. I I used to do that all the time. I remember the first time I saw Fight Club. Yeah, I remember like getting in my car and driving around like I have everything figured out. Yep. Like nobody even, know, you know, but there's that feeling. Dude, the first time I saw Fight Club, I had the weirdest night of sleep I think I've ever had. Me too. I like watched it right before bed. I did too. Why are we the same person? <laughs> like, are you my Tyler Durden? <laughs> I feel like I'm you projecting go. you. See, that night I like, I had, I, I don't even know if, if you could call it a dream because I was like half awake through it. Yeah. But it was this like, I just remember a moment at like 2 a.m. where I'm like, am I two people? Yeah. And it was just the, it was the weirdest thing, which is to say that that effect can be negative as well. Like on the one hand, you can walk off with this kind of like swagger of like, I am like the guy that's like an ultimately good guy that can kind of do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. But I had a friend in high school that would like Netflix binge and I guess it was before that he would buy the DVDs and binge on oh, shows. Old school, and yeah, that's embarrassing. And so he did that with House. Yeah, and and which I love that show. But the funny thing is, House is like one of those kind of typical characters right now. That's like, or, or characters that's been made typical right now. Yeah, of like the really smart guy that like everybody needs, so they put up with him being like a total jerk. Yeah, and. Which is funny because like that's kind of the character right now and like everything. The anti-hero, yeah, if you will, yeah. And so it's, Walter White, Breaking Bad. There's like Don Draper and Mad Men is like yeah, people who make constantly bad decisions, but for some reason they're the main character that the camera is following. So we 
are on board with them. Yeah. You know? Well, and the, the, the funny thing too is even cause on, on the one hand there's like the straight anti-hero that like, you're like, they're not even doing anything that I really can root for, but I just, they're a compelling character. Right. And then like pulled back a little bit more towards the middle. There's like, like this new rain Wilson show. Have you seen advertised Mm-mm. where it's like, it's just interesting because it's the exact same thing as like every other show. And maybe it's going to be good, but it's just like, like the whole, the whole tagline is, you know, like brilliant detective, like total dick is yeah. like the like tagline. And I'm like, that's, that's very popular. It is like, that's the whole thing is everyone's like, Oh, I hate this guy, but because he's those so guys good. are fun to watch. That's why the office is so popular. Those people are fun to watch when you're not in real life with them. Yeah. <laughs> but they're extremely hard to be around. Yeah. In real life. And that's what was funny is with House, I have this friend who who already is this brilliant person, like one of the smartest people I know. And, I'm right here, Robbie. And I mean, <laughs> this is this is all Keep this going. is all coming. Oh, this, so, I'm so flattered. <laughs> Keep going. So he was watching. He watched House for months, and then he just became this kind of insufferable person for a while. Mm. And we thought about it, and at some point we were like, "Holy cow, he is he has become Gregory House. <laughs> He's melded." Like, he's, like, got this idea that, like, he is just, that we all need him because he's so smart and he can yeah. just say and do whatever he wants. And so, we were, it, it was this realization for me that you can become what you watch. yourself a fairly like you take on the emotions of like whatever art you're consuming oh that's definitely true like yeah i mean because i'll be i'll be listening like candace and i were listening to to this uh those robert galbraith novels that like jk rowling wrote right, under the right, pseudonym yeah. and you know it's it's again this kind of like darker like it's like a kind of a classic whodunit thing is like what she's going for and so you know i would kind of go for that like like as I was reading those, I'm seeing the world in like a darker lens and yeah. like everything. And, and that's different. I think it's, it's more intense for me with, with music and books than it is with, with movies because movies are so, like you sit down and you watch and then it's done and you're not watching it like every day. Like no. you might be listening to a record every day. It's like a not, two hour experience and then you're done. Yeah. And with a book, especially like we, we read that over the course of like months. So I was kind of in that for like months. And I've talked to people that like watch Breaking Bad. I was talking to a friend of mine last night that's like one of the more emotional people I know, and she's a girl, so goes hand in goes hand in hand. Um, and but she's a writer, and so it's like she was saying that that literally like she she had to like cancel her Netflix subscription after she watched all the way through Breaking Bad because like she felt it so deeply. Wow, that it was actually like a period of of depression for her. Yeah. And like, which I, which I, I get because like when I was watching it, like I felt those things, but not like, I'm not that much of a feeler to the degree that this girl is, 
but it you was have to just remove thing. yourself at some point. And yeah, be like, mm, this is ridiculous in a show. Yeah, but but I did you know I did relate to that, and so I guess for me, yeah, I don't know if it's like if it's buried in there and it comes out. I I think it does play on certain it plays on certain notes or, or like hits certain nerves that that are that are in there yeah like for me because it's always it, it's always some kind of wishful thinking like i tend to take what i like from something and leave what i don't you know so yeah. it's like so like i'll be listening that's a great way to say it i do that too you know it's like listening to like a kanye record like i'm like there's so much i don't like but i also strangely feel so awesome yeah when i'm listening to it oh yeah know? absolutely i don't know i, th- I think it, it takes a special artist to be able to you know, I dare you to not listen to this because it will move you even though you don't really like anything about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny because it makes me think of like one of the interesting things I've, I've come across being in, in involved in the Christian music world and, mm-hmm. and all that it entails is like there's this thing called the Caleb challenge that they do. Is this a known thing? It's like a, I mean, it's, it's like a, I think it's a pretty like Caleb kind of makes a big deal okay. about it, but it's like they, they challenge people to go 30 days listening to only Christian music. And the funny thing about that is like, I feel like a lot of people come into Christian music, you know, and, and it's like, it's such a, it's such a unique thing and it's such a different thing than like anything else that you could be listening yeah. to that. I think like a lot of people assume that you're going to go into it and and not like listening to it, um, <laughs> which is kind of me a lot of like yeah. I don't listen to Christian me music. Too. But the funny thing is, like for me, I'll even like I'll, I'll even sort of apply that same philosophy rather like rather than listening to like Christian Christian music, at least listening to like Sleeping at Last a lot or mm-hmm. like Switchfoot or just John Foreman stuff. Or, so just people who who think on a bigger spiritual plane. Yeah. Than like, necessarily being like, did I say Jesus five times in the chorus? Yeah. Make, everybody get their notebooks out and check, make sure. But people, yeah, but people like, cause I, you know, I listen to a lot of like, like Ben Howard mm-hmm. or, or I'll listen to, you know, like, uh, like first aid kit or, yeah. or Vance joy. Like a lot of these people, I, I, I would love to write songs like they write songs, but I find that the place that I'm at as a person when I'm listening to a ton of John Foreman as opposed to a ton of Ben Howard is very different. Yeah. And I like who I am a lot more when I've been listening to John Foreman. Oh, absolutely. Which is to say like, and he doesn't like scurry away from the dark either. Like yeah, he, he yeah. sings a lot about the dark. Oh, absolutely. But it's in a much more sort of like, we're going to make it through the dark instead mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to be here forever and nothing is gets better. The end. Yeah. It, it's like, he's looking, it, it's like he's looking at the dark sort of from, like from in it, but also he's recognizing that there's such a thing as being able to look at it from above and from yeah. beyond. Whereas like a lot of the a lot of the songs that that kind of like the the indie super sad music, like a, a lot of those songs feel less like let's talk about like let's talk about what the dark is, mm-hmm. and more just you can tell they're writing it from in there, and they don't really. It, it feels really aimless and it feel and so I'll find myself when I listen to that feeling really aimless and it'll take me a while to kind of pinpoint it to, and it doesn't stop me from listening to that music because I still love it but it's just funny to me because I realize like man there is really a difference like it's huge for me 
what kind of music I'm listening to. Yeah. Like, like even if I don't think that I'm paying attention to like the lyrical content, like I, I am like on some level. Yeah. No, I, I'm, and I find myself multiple times, different times of year. I'll go through like, yeah, you know, and, and it's weird. I've switched as like, I've gotten older. Like now, like this summer, I listen to a lot of kind of sad, sadder, nostalgic summer music hmm. instead of just like the beach boys. Not that mm-hmm. I ever like, you know, but like I would make sort of, I feel like, like, cause I listen to a lot of this summer, like a lot of first aid kid, like their album yeah. sort of own the summer, but there's also sort of something to, I, I like would highlight the more like, the, the summer nights kind of that mm-hmm. feeling or whatever yeah of kind of like you know because when you're a kid like the the whole day is sort of filled with running around and filling up every hour of the day that you can yeah with play and with just movement and then at the end of the day there's a, sort of this feeling of like fireflies and the, whatever that yeah. feeling yeah i ascribe a lot of feelings to to like whatever type of music i'm going through so like yeah. i know the i know a lot of our references are very similar so i don't have to explain which is very nice uh in our friendship so i will say like elizabeth town soundtrack yeah stuff like that yeah. late night summer which i was listening to this morning it's it's so good it's an amazing three disc mixtape essentially but uh i i love like, i'll put that on if i'm feeling just kind of yeah like wistful or nostalgic and just maybe a little sad but not but like the good kind of sad yeah like you're pushing on like a like a not like not a pushing on a wound but but you're pushing on like a sore muscle yeah where it feels good yeah that's what like that you know that's what that is it makes me feel really good yeah but but i'm i'm that same way where like i will i remember the first time i heard bright eyes uh i was just like well this makes me feel awful I'm going to keep listening to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, well, I was like, man, I really don't like the imagery this guy creates in my brain. And it was like when he was really going through a rough, you know, he was extremely like kind of hopeless and dark too. I feel like yeah. he's kind of come around and, but, but I, I, it's such a weird thing to be like, Oh, this elicits a negative response, like gutturally in me, yeah. but I keep going back to it, man. You know, I was, I was talking to Candace about this the other day and I'd be interested to hear your thought because Candace is Robbie's wife. It's not just like his therapist or something. It's your life coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, she's, she, she's my she main coach. She might as well be. <laughs> she's your um, main coach. <laughs> so I, I was, I was just kind of thinking, and this is like going to be a gross generalization. I love it but already. For me, <laughs> I've found that like, it, it's funny because the movies that have really stuck with me, they're on one end of the bittersweet spectrum. Yes. more the sweet, like. Like Jerry Maguire is one of my favorite yes. movies. Like It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Like these movies that are like you end and everything happens just the way you want it to. And it's like, and you've gone through like all of, all of the, like you've gone to the Valley, like as low as you can go. So that like at the end, it feels so good when you come back up. Well, we, like, we were, that's the kind of stuff that we just need or love as, uh, you know, as being humans. We yeah. Love. Like it's Rudy. We need that sort yeah. of, you know? Like and and I, those are the movies that are that I think everyone's like oh my gosh like I love that movie and even even though like we've talked about critically you know like sad movies win all the time mm-hmm. I don't hear people as often or in the same way like hold on to those for years and years they don't and years. stick around like yeah. you know what I mean and and so it's like like the Lion Kings of the world even where it's like you have like that low point but at the end it's like you just feel so good circle it's like, of life bro you know. <laughs> So it's interesting because that that is sort of what I've found in in movies, and I found it to be very much the opposite in songs. Oh, I found that the songs that have stuck with me and that people often show me are songs that make you feel very sad. 
it's oh, like I love it's it. the bitter side of the bittersweet. Like not not so far to the point where it's just like there's no hope and everything is the worst because no one really wants to listen to that. Mm-hmm. But to the point where it's like, like it's kind of an open ending where it's like, or like we a, didn't resolve this. Yeah, and like but everything's gonna be okay. And note, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's. I feel like I've encountered this so often with other people. Like probably if if you were to ask me to write down my favorite songs like at least half of like a top 10 list would be breakup songs. Oh, absolutely. Like, well, well, it's the stuff it's those are the songs that elicit actual responses yeah to your like psyche. Yeah. You know, like nobody I doubt anybody's favorite song, maybe it will be would would be like don't what is it don't worry be happy. Yeah. Because that's a fine, you know, those songs are fine, but the ones that like this one ripped out my gut once yeah. and that sticks with you. Yeah, and that's the funny thing like like talking about Switchfoot is like I love like because we've talked about Fading West mm-hmm. like I love that record as a whole so much absolutely but like nothing sticks sticks with me like Vice Versus does oh with really John Foreman because like it's that kind of like the, like the song Vice Versus not the record oh okay okay yeah like, I know what you mean I know what you mean like because as a record I would say Fading West I like more than Vice Versus me too. for sure but that one song, the same thing with the song Restless mm-hmm. on Vice Versus. Like, I'll go back cool. and just listen to the songs. So good. Because it makes you feel something. And those are the like those are the two songs on that record that are, like, written from this place of, of pretty kind of desperation. Like, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of resolve there. You know, like, some of the last lines in Vice Versus are just, like, where is God in yeah. the blank. So it's, I yeah. love that stuff too. Like that, that's one reason I love David Bazan, Pedro the Lion. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've listened to him a lot. He does that too. If I listen to him too much, I don't like who I am, but like sometimes I want to be like the doubtful searching guy. Yeah. And, and so I want to hear something that reflects my mood and reflects my thoughts. And he does that really well, but like, you're right. Like I, I hadn't thought about that vice versa song, but I remember hearing that record and thinking it was okay. Yeah. But, but I told everybody how amazing it was because the last song I heard on that record was that was, Vice Versa song, yeah. which is probably one of the best songs they've ever put out because oh, it yeah. is so unapologetically honest. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. And I feel like he does that really well. He also like speaks very simple, uh, like almost cliche truths. Yeah. But the way he says it yeah. makes you be like, oh man, that is so, you know, is this the world you want? You're making yeah. it every day you're alive. Such a, or even like, we were meant to live for so much more. Yeah. Like it's such a or dumb like, thing. Uh, but like what, this is your life on beautiful. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, but I, ha- you have emotional responses to them yeah. because it is put to music that is powerful and, yeah. and you can tell like, it's such a, I try to capture this anytime. I can think about this every time I record, but I'm like, I have to feel this when I'm singing it or yeah. it doesn't count, you know? And cause I feel like he, there's a, there's a, a, a certain set of like performers that do that. We're like, Every time they sing that line, you're like, man, that guy believes that. Yeah. And so it makes you want to believe it. Somebody tell him that the lost are saved. Somebody tell him that his death's been paid. And let him know love is coming out his name. Somebody tell him he's a child of the king. And there's an end to the suffering. And Somebody tell him now. 
like we've talked about uh, like Steve Mokler mm-hmm. and I like had like a we had a really great conversation once because like he had just gotten married or it had been married for like a year and a half and like you know it was just like the their whole dating relationship and engagement and first year of marriage was like just really steady you know like whereas the relationships that he had gone through before that had always been you know, like they were college relationships and they were super dramatic and they were whatever. And so we were kind of joking about, and his wife was joking about how he doesn't write that many songs about her, mm-hmm. but that he like wrote albums and albums about his ex-girlfriends. And I'm the same way. Like I've written like a few songs about Candace, but like, honestly, like so far they haven't been compelling in the way that songs I wrote about exes were. Because it elicits a bad yeah. or, or heartbreaking feeling. Yeah. Yeah, those songs get written way faster than like, I'm really happy right now. I'm writing yeah. a song about that. Yeah. It's very rare. How does Smash Mouth do it? Right. <laughs> They're knocking Man, it out of the park. Man, they do it so well. <laughs> this is the second episode in a row that Smash Mouth got brought up. That's uh, fantastic. The, I'm going to try to bring Smash Mouth up in every episode. <laughs> Listeners, hold me to that. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think anybody, I have you ever tried to write just like a super happy song yeah it's really hard it's really difficult if you ever find somebody like i have hats off literally his hat off to pharrell uh his giant Man. oversized arby's hat off to pharrell <laughs> because he wrote that song and i'm like this is unbelievable he had to literally call the song happy because he probably yeah. had to remind himself that he was writing a happy song because they're yeah. hard to write man yeah and it's funny because i feel like the only people that have ever done it well were like the motown crew yeah and like that's even like a throwback to the motown thing it's true i feel like and yeah, I but it doesn't go in it for whatever reason. Happiness doesn't go into the depths that sadness or, yeah. you know, not even it doesn't have to be sad, but just like that sort of real gut yeah. feeling comes from, I don't know why that is because everybody wants to feel happy yeah, and good, but it's like, that's always going to be party music. Yeah. And like yeah. when you're listening to a record, at least, I don't know. And maybe it's just us because I also know that there are people out there that like, I don't think so. I think this is pretty. Yeah. Some people are really good at it. I know like the Matt Wurtzes of the world, like that dude can write a really upbeat. That's I'm true. stoked about my girlfriend song. That's and true. I, and I don't, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that, man. But like, but I think that's why a lot of really happy upbeat songs are pop songs because yeah. nobody wants their pop songs to go into depth anymore. Yeah. And, or, you know, that, that's that's a broad generalization, but you know, because there there are always the those Sam Smiths of the world, right? Where people who are yeah. gonna write, write songs that are extremely popular, or like I always go back to Ben Folds Five Brick is like one of the yeah. most depressing, like top forty songs of all time, but it's yeah. also kind of amazing. Uh, to you know, but, uh, but at the same time that that was popular, like boy bands were coming up. So yeah. I think, but I think that's why there's so many popular, you know, like the pop music sort of tends to be on like the more upbeat this is how we do Katy yeah. Perry type songs, which I'm okay with. Like I need, yeah. th- those need to exist, but no, absolutely. But I don't, is that going to end up on like an alt, let make your top 20 songs of all time playlist. Is that going to, you know, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's funny because again, it's, it's, you know what? The luckiest by Ben Folds. Yeah. That's a, that's a song that kind of like straddles that line of like, it's closer to the, it's it's definitely closer to the sweet than the bitter, but it still kind of has something in there. Oh, where it's there is like, there is deep sadness in it though. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, people die in that song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it has one of the weirdest, creepiest images. Yeah, in it where he talks about a guy like, what if we talking about talking to his wife or his loved one or whatever, and saying like, 
You know, like what if I was born before you and I was an old man on your street and you rode your bike by and we made eye contact? Would we know that we were like lovers in this time? Yeah. Which is so incredibly creepy. And people play that at their weddings. Yeah. And but it's also a it and he even says it like the first he even like backpedals a little bit. He's like, yeah. I know that's weird. Yeah. Like that's a strange way to say I know we belong. Like yeah. he, I love that he put that in a song and it's not that's one reason why I really look up to that guy, you know. Yeah. I'm like, man, he really like went out on a limb with this weirdo like kind of creepy yeah like image but at the same time it's kind of beautiful yeah because a piano is behind it <laughs> man yeah i and honestly i think part of that it does go back to like when you read i don't know like even when you're reading just like like the richest parts of scripture to me mm-hmm. are the parts where there's like that tension you know where it's like even even like when when good things are happening like it's like J.R.R. Tolkien has this quote where he says like um, like nature has all the air of a good thing spoiled. And it's like I feel like everything we create is sort of modeled after that where it's a good thing, but there's always tension. If it's anything worth listening to, there's some kind of like tension in there. Yeah. And it's like I remember watching like little show or shows with my little brother that were on like Nick Jr. and stuff. And I remember like because I will watch cartoon shows like all day. Sure. Like if it's like a cartoon show that's, you know, like. Like the kind of stuff that I grew up with where it was like, you know, tailspin or whatever, mm-hmm. like where there's like some conflict in there, but like Darkwing the shows Duck. that <laughs> Darkwing Duck, man. Yeah, so good. <laughs> but like the shows where it's just like, like everyone's just kind of friends and walking around being friends. Yeah. I'm like, what is, what is my motivation here? Yeah. Like, where's the drama, you know? And John Abrams I, like. I know parents that do, that won't let their kids watch like, or they will like edit out parts of disney movies like the old like there are people there are kids who have watched little mermaid and don't know that ursula is in it because they've like literally gone back through physically edited out ursula really because it's scary and i feel like i have a i have a friend Corey edwards in la who who has talked about this before where he he's a filmmaker and and he makes for the most part like family movies and stuff but he, he said like you know we're robbing from our kids when we remove the scarier parts yeah. or the tension, as you said, from these movies or from their media, because they need to learn that darkness is real. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of times it lives within them, but also that there is light and they yeah. need to choose. And how does, how do both of those things make you feel? And oftentimes it's like, well, the light is the best part. Yeah. Well, and, and to learn that have their brains like learn the difference between and that light can overcome dark, you know, well, it's a valuable it's lesson. The, it's the Ryan O'Neill line. Of like darkness exists to make light truly count. Yeah, where it's oh, that like, line. it's for me. Yeah, the 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 end of I go back to this is just gonna show show how obsessed I am with this movie. Like the end of Lion King. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you don't see Mufasa die and like whoa whoa, whoa spoiler <laughs> you don't see thirty year spoiler like if you right someone's really mad somewhere. Mm. Um, Wait twenty. Right? 20 years. 20. 94? 94, yeah. So, yeah, 20. Oh, my gosh. For a Um, second, I just scared myself. P.S. I have, for the last 15 years, been living as though we live in the year 2000. (laughs) Like, in my mind. Because it's just the easiest way to round. So (laughs) It's so so true. So, someone's like, oh, like, that came in on, like, 1990. I'm like, oh, so it's 10 years old. Oh, cool. And I'm like, it is literally 15 years (laughs) since 2000. That is 25 years ago now. Yeah. But I'm like. No, it's like new millennium. It's way like, easier to round that up. Yeah. yeah. 
That's just a, just Wait. letting you know how far off. So at any given moment, you cannot trust what day. Well, for a long time, I would round it up. I would do the math where I would round it up to 2000 and then add on like, you know, five years or whatever yeah. it was. And now it's just way too difficult. Yeah. For me. Eventually, eventually it's going to be like 2030. Yeah. And we're like, okay, so yeah, it was like 10 years plus like, you know, 30 years. <laughs> math 30. is just too difficult. I, I, I assume that somewhere right now there is a math podcast happening where they're like, why do people watch movies? Why do, isn't music dumb? What's the point? <laughs> like it's the inverse effect of whatever this conversation is. I, just to balance out the world. I have to believe that there's just a math podcast. <laughs> math cast. We're having a math cast. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Tyler. <laughs> it would, it I don't would even be a know Tyler. enough references to make a reference. Uh, like, a joke. I, a I math couldn't even cast make joke. a math. So uh, I was... Pi is an infinite. I don't know. I don't know. Pi is an I'm infinite. Done. It's infinite. That's. It sounds delicious. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna change the course of the conversation okay. real quick because um because as been proved by every time we've hung out we can talk forever. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. So I and I, this is very this is a great conversation already, which should just automatically tell you that what a not great conversation you're having if you have to say this is a great conversation <laughs> we're having. Uh, so you you perform music, you play music. This is what you do. Yes. This is the thing that you do. Is this always what you wanted to do? Is this sort of, are you right now, Robbie Earl, doing something that you're like, okay, I'm doing it. Or is this sort of just like what you're doing right now and we'll see what happens next? Man. Big question. That is a really big question. And it's just funny. It's funny how much I've thought about that lately. I say that maybe everyone that does music is always constantly thinking about that. Yes. It's but true. you know, it's, it's, it's just funny for me because... Like I was talking to one of my friends this morning that that from my perspective is just like way more talented than I will ever be. You know, like one of these guys that like from from where I am, I'm like, oh, like he's got the voice and he's like he just like oozes songs. Right. Like he just like wakes up and like accidentally wrote a song in his sleep. <laughs> I know. And it's just and they're, the and they're amazing. Yeah. Like I'm like, all good. you know, it's like it's one thing whenever people write like 100 songs in a year. And you're like, oh, but like most of them are probably bad. And they're like, yeah, these are all bad. And they play them for you. And you're like, this is better than the best song I've ever you written. throw something across the room. Yeah. <laughs> like you're so mad. But, you know, it's funny because like he he's he's like told me the same thing, which I guess is just at some point. It's like we all think that everybody else is better than us. Oh, constantly. Yeah. But but it's just funny because, yeah, for me, like talking to him, I'm like you know, you like live and breathe music. Like you can't, you, you can't help it. Like if you tried to stop writing songs, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And so for when I look at him, I'm like, there's no, there's nothing else that you would be doing other than music. Like there's nothing else I could even think of. And I think he would kind of say the same thing. Like, whereas for me, it's, it's weird because, you know, like there are a lot of things that I'm interested in and there are a lot of like rabbit holes that I can go down where it's like, you know, it would be, it would be fun to, to like go to school and be a teacher. It would be fun to like write a book. It would be fun to like write a movie. It would be fun to direct a movie. It would be fun to act in a movie. You know, like it would be fun to be in a musical, like literally anything that I could think to do that would let me be like a creative person that makes no money I can do, which is so convenient. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, so easy to not make money, <laughs> right? It's, I don't know if you guys are aware. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so easy. If anyone Anybody out there, anybody can not make money. If if you're struggling with making too much money, yeah, like we mm. can, Robbie and I can help you. <laughs> we know many ways to do stuff that doesn't make money. <laughs> it's 
It's fantastic. <laughs> just have a really patient wife. Yeah, it, and it, it builds so much character too. <laughs> it's which is the true currency in life. The character is the true currency. But yeah, for me, it's it's been this funny thing because I've like made it this far without ever really without ever knowing if it's like what I'm supposed to do, whatever that even means. Yeah. Like, but it's just like, I started writing songs because my parents got divorced when I was like 12. And so I had a lot of dramatic things to say and just kind of kept writing them. And like, I had played piano forever and like it, it always just kind of happened that way. And honestly, sometimes I look back and I'm like, would I have even started really playing shows if I didn't think that it was just a way to get girls to kiss me? Yeah. You know? Cause I'm like, pro- I probably wouldn't. Cause it like takes a lot to like write a song and put out a record. And like, yeah, I think, I think the only thing that's made like 90% of guys do it is because girls will kiss them. I say a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So it's, yeah, it's like, I'm like, then I, you know, I, I, I got married. So, so now I'm like, what's my motivation? Yeah, What's your motivation? You know? <laughs> but it's just funny because I've, I've sort of fallen into all of these like amazing opportunities for so long. And and yeah, you sit back and you wonder, like, is that providence? Mm. Like, is that is that God opening doors for me? Like, at what point do you kick doors down? Like, at what point do you just kind of like go with the flow? And and so it's just kind of like, you know, I I, I was I like literally bumped into somebody at a club that offered me a record deal. Yeah. Like, like. That is literally exactly what happened. <laughs> I didn't play a showcase. I didn't send them songs. Yeah, it was like one of the weirdest moments in the history of of Nashville music. What, what, explain that. Like, so I was I, I I moved to town, went to Belmont, like, and was doing like singer songwriter stuff sure. for several years, and like kind of had like a like a modest thing going, and it was just like kind of it was funny because every time I've sort of hit this point where I've said, you know what, music is kind of just like leveling out right now. I don't really know if it's still building to anywhere. So I'll just kind of like see what happens. Like something always happens. Sure. Um, when you stop trying, that's when things start. Yeah. A lot of times. It's really funny. True. Yeah. And so that, like that was kind of the moment, like I had had this record out that I really loved for like a year and had played a lot. Um, like a lot of shows off of that record. Were you just and, walking around the club playing the record on your shoulder like a boombox? Yeah, it's and weird. Like, you know, I, I heard it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I don't even know how they knew. I was like, <laughs> it wasn't. I was just wearing a T-shirt that said like, "Hey, please sign me to a record label." Oh well, then you see that's misleading. It's not as subtle as you thought, as you led us to believe. It was, it was, yeah. Like I was, we were at a friend of ours' uh, show. Like I, I was, I was seeing someone play, and. I I bumped into <laughs> it's actually funny because this story is one of the it's one of the strangest things and if, if I had like three hours I would tell the whole thing because <laughs> there's like all of these little like there's all these little crooks that gave me like Rascal Flats Broken Road that led yeah. me straight to Capitol Records <laughs> but like oh they wrote that song about you yeah it's crazy oh, actually I thought they wrote um, it about Lightning McQueen <laughs> wait that might be <laughs> they only write songs about pixel characters in my mind <laughs> But yeah, it was funny because I, I wound up at this at this show and I never go to shows in Nashville really anyway, because mm. I would rather just be watching a movie at home. Yeah. And I was at a show and and I just 
for whatever reason and had a conversation with Brandon Heath where he was talking about how like a friend of his, Mike Grayson, was getting married to this woman, Molly. And and like we had like it was in passing conversation because he had he had sung at the wedding. And so, like, oh, OK. And so I walked into the show and I vaguely recognized Mike because Mike's chair has a lot of ties to my hometown um, with like Seth Jones. Yeah. Who I guess is. Wait, 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 back, back up. So Mike from Mike's chair. Yes. Is married to Molly. Yes. No way. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So I, I know like, them separately. So it's weird to. Okay. I'll put that together now. So do you know Molly? Uh, no, just from okay. your wedding. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I I, uh, so I so walked in and just kind of vaguely recognized Mike and was like, hey, you know, congratulations on being married. Like, I don't really know you. This is kind of a weird moment, <laughs> but I've heard marriage is fun. So, like, have <laughs> good luck with that. Fun. Yeah, good luck. Just do good marriage. <laughs> kind of Get her done, son. Yeah. <laughs> And then you tap danced away. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, it was one of the more awkward, like 45 second encounters. Yeah. And I just kind of like, just, yeah, like I walked off. And from that, it turns out like Molly was in a duo or like in the midst of making a duo with Capitol Records. Mm-hmm. And like they were looking for a guy to fill the slot. And, oh. and like they were just like, that guy's kind of quirky. And that guy was extremely awkward. Let's put him on yeah. stage a hundred times a year. <laughs> that feels like a that feels like a great plan. So they like asked around and like asked the people that I had talked to, like in a very creepy way, like who I was and what I did, and like got my information and looked me up and like liked my voice. I and, love like, this. I within love like a week, so like they called me and were were ba- like essentially offered me a deal. And like there was like a month or two of like of walking through this process, yeah. but it was like, see that just that just goes to show you. First off, go out and do stuff. Yeah. Show up to things, especially the ones you, that you were like, oh, I'm going to be annoyed at this show or with this party yep. or whatever. And then go and make awkward conversations happen because you never know what can happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many times I've been like, I could go talk to that dude over there, but it'll probably be awkward. So I'll just go home. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the opposite of that instead. And then you go and like you have a conversation. They're like, "Yeah, it's funny because I've actually been like wanting someone to headline like an arena tour, and you look like perfect. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you have the perfect look for an arena. I uh, yeah. Coldplay is looking for someone that they can open for. Actually, yeah, they want to open for somebody. <laughs> they're taking you to the back seat this time around. So it's this weird like avant garde, but they're gonna open for an unknown. Yeah. Nobody's gonna stick around for you, <laughs> but but <laughs> just up front, so it'll be like your normal shows. <laughs> And which we should say the de- the night we met. I can't say this about anybody else I know. Actually, literally only one other person. The night we met, we ended up playing a duet together. Essentially, that's true. Uh, yeah. On stage in front of people 
as if it was rehearsed and it was totally not. There was like maybe a two and a half minute talk yep. through where you're like, play this chord, play this chord in this yep. beat, in this beat. And I'm going to sing. And it, and then it was just like magic in a weird it's way. True. I was like, I can't believe this is working. <laughs> you had never heard the song. No, I didn't. I didn't know this song at all. And literally, the, well, I, I would say that's the only time that's happened because the other time that happened, uh, I just did a podcast with this girl, Alice Calvary, and we both played a show together, met at a show. She was opening and she was covering a Patty Griffin song. And I was just in soundcheck and started harmonizing yeah. like at my seat. She was like, why don't you come up and sing it? And then we played a duet together. And now, you know, we became friends that way. But that's because so in are, that moment, were you like, were you just kind of like harmonizing to yourself or were you yeah. like, <coughs> I wasn't like Jenna from 30 Rock. <laughs> I was just like, like singing it much louder. Yeah. Just pushing her out of the way, doing yeah. vocal runs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like singing it. I mean, it was like an empty venue. So it's very yeah. obvious you could hear. But I, she was like, I was like, are you going to do that song? It was a uh, long ride home from Elizabethtown. Uh, oh, and I was like, man. I, what I love song. that song. And she, and she's killer, killer vocalist. And I was like, I would love. She was like, you want to just sing that with me tonight? And like, you know, there's the humble sort of, I can't. But inside yeah. I'm like, yes, I want to play your whole set for you because yeah. I love being on stage. Yep. Uh, but that was the the weirdest sort of, I was on the, in this writer's round with Andrew Peterson and like in between somebody else was literally playing a song and he leans over to me and he was like, Hey, do you think uh, Robbie would come play a song if I asked him to? <laughs> I see him sitting right there. And I'm like, you might want to run this by him first, but you're Andrew Peterson, do whatever you yep. want to do. And then like, he literally called you out from stage, gave you like one song, one song yeah. to like decide what song you were going to do. And then like we ended up playing and then you came up and you're like, yeah, I don't play guitar. I play keyboard. So you're going to have to do this. Yeah. dude." <laughs> it was totally, was, but I, I said this on the last podcast, but there's just some moments where you're like, Oh, I don't want to do this. But then you remember like, no, I played a lot. Like I can handle this. Yeah. You know, like there's no, there's real, well, there gets to a point where there's no like real surprises in music really. Yeah. And when it does surprise you, it's the best. But that was one of those moments where I was like, I could probably play the song. Yeah. Like, let's just try. And it worked. And it totally worked. It was the beginning Thank goodness of something it was, beautiful. It was like the same chord progression over and over again. Uh, <laughs> but I do have, let me see. I have a, I always end the podcast. We're winding down uh, with a sort of lightning round. Oh, yeah. So you can answer these questions um, as you seem fit and as fast as you want. The questions are going to be fast, but you can answer as long as okay. you want. If it reminds you of a story or something, go for it. Do you have a surprising musical influence? Yes. I think that there's some Backstreet Boys in me somewhere. Go on. I think I think <laughs> I think I listened to it so much when I was like, I mean, because that was I was born in 1991. Okay, so you like, just made a lot of us feel old. Keep going. So, so like I was, you know, like I feel like so that's you were like when you ten. Yeah, which is like when you kind of start taking ownership of music. Yeah, and like there was a second there where like for for my age, like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC was not lame. Like it was very cool. And like I was listening to it because really I was like 99. So, yeah, I was like seven, eight when like those records were first coming out. Everybody. Oh, man. So there was a moment last night where I'm washing the dishes and I've been writing all day yesterday. And like this, um, this tune comes into my head and I'm like, oh, like, what is this what song? Is and I'm like, I kind of love it. Like, what am I singing? And it was the uh, it was show me the shape of my heart. Which I think is a Backstreet Boys song. Or Quit Playing Games With My Heart. No, different. That's Quit Playing Games With My This was like... Show me the shape <laughs> of my heart. It was something It'd different. It'd be amazing if they released that song. Which, here's the thing. E it? Either I'm remembering those lyrics incorrectly, or that doesn't make any sense. Show I don't me know the shape what, of my heart. I don't know what that, that actually sounds means. sounds so lofty and dumb and abstract enough that it would totally be a Backstreet Boys song. 
I'm going to find that song and sing it for you later. Pro- will you promise me? I promise you, just, you. Will you send me a voice text? Are <laughs> you singing that? <laughs> yes, I will. Okay, what do you say during soundtrack? Mm, well, I feel like I, I actually get really awkward during soundcheck still. That's the right answer. Like, <laughs> it's the worst, isn't it? There's never... What do you do? Like, I think I start with, like, check. I say check, like, three times. Then I do, like, one, two. You count. And then, like, every now and then I'll, like, I'll kind of start to play a funny song. And then I realize the sound guy is not into it. Yeah. So I just kind of, like, your, fade out. You gotta read your sound guy. It's, He's probably not gonna like your ironic cover of Wrecking Ball. Nope. I know that from, from uh, experience. People... <laughs> Every every now and then, people will get into me playing the Titanic song. Mm. Most of the time, they don't, though. Do you play your own song during soundtrack? Um, Doesn't whenever, that feel weird? It does feel weird. I do it like... If you need to run through something? Yeah, maybe? if we need to run through yeah. something. It's but, so weird to play your own song. Like, yeah. Especially if it's just you and the sound guy. It's funny because sound. if there's other people in the room, like if there's like people kind of milling around, I feel like sound check is kind of its own performance it is when it's like what is this guy gonna pull out yep. like last guy pulled out a share song yeah. and it's like you're like oh i don't know like kenny rogers i, I know uh, what's the most random thing that people will actually know like mm-hmm. what's the line between ironic and just strange but also you don't want to play somewhere where it's like oh that guy wants me to like if you're in the crowd or milling around the venue yeah like, that guy wants my attention right now and wants yeah to- exactly <laughs> Exactly. So it's like you got to find that. Yeah, that's true. Play. You just got to play a song that you earnestly love, and ha- hopefully someone to be like, yeah, from the back. Just like, yeah, yeah. That's what you want. What do you associate with the name Keith? Urban. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna have to take that one away. I'm obsessed with the name. Keith uh, right now. Also, also. They're the character from Scrubs. Oh yeah, Keith. Who dates LA's Elliot. Boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love and it. So I always think about that. I, I'm always. I love names that. You don't hear babies called that anymore. <laughs> It'd probably come back around at some point, but like it's, I love, so I, like Keith is a very time stamped name right now. Yeah. It's very like Keith is a kid that I knew in the, you know, in the mid nineties who lived down the street. Yeah. You know, probably the last kid named Keith for a long time. <laughs> the last, I feel like that sounds like an awesome movie. The last Keith. The last, <laughs> it's like the last airbender, but it's the last Keith. Uh, what do you, uh, I have, I have a bunch I can do. Let's see. Uh, what's your first memory of the internet? Probably won't be that bad. You're you're a young man. It probably um, won't be that. My first memory hilarious. of the internet. I my first memory of the computer was playing a 101 Dalmatians on the CD ROM. Whoa, like yep. that Will Smith song. Yep. Where I was, <laughs> where I was like, I remember it was you had to uh, like find the paw prints, like yeah. in this, you know, and you had to find a hundred, which took a really long time when yeah, I was that's like six lot. years old. What else do you have to do? You're six. That's true. You just, um, all you're doing when you're six is pr- like practicing not peeing your pants because you used to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can't. That's so true. <laughs> Clenching a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Did it have an interactive feature on that where you could get online? Where it's like, if you want to upgrade this, I think it a lot did, of but I don't did. think we had, I, I remember the moment when we got the internet and like it was dial up and, and like, it was just the worst. Yeah. Like it was so, do you remember too how difficult it used to be to find things on the internet? Yeah. Like it was like, like I remember I spent all day. <laughs> all day. This is one of the, this is one of the weirdest <laughs> memories of my entire life. And I don't know if I've ever actually said this out loud to I anyone, not in my, not in my immediate family, <laughs> but I went through this strange rascal flats phase. <laughs> you don't have to put the word strange before that. <laughs> <I was like laughs> 
<laughs> when I was like 11, I was they had this song called Mayberry mm-hmm. that I, for whatever reason, just really loved. Maybe it's the part of me that, again, is really nostalgic. Yeah. But like, I really just wanted to listen to this song. And it was my birthday. It was like my 11th birthday. And I literally spent my entire 11th birthday trying to find this song on the this internet. Is the saddest story I've ever heard. <laughs> Just so that I could listen to it. I want a short story of this or a short film of like the kid waking up on his birthday, marching down the hall in his PJs, like opening up, like hearing that, like the, the modem starting up. And you're like, come on, come on. And it's like really important. Like, like it's like, like Danny Elfman's score the whole time. Just like dun, 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 dun. And you're like clicking it like, come on, come on. Like, I was like, Dude, well, don't keep us in suspense. Did you find out the song? I, I, the thing is, I didn't have a driver's license and no one could drive me to Walmart <sighs> just to buy the CD yeah. on my birthday. And so it was like this moment, horrible family. You had. <laughs> one day you so can ask for I this just, favor. So I just spent the whole day listening to like the 30 second iTunes oh, clip. No. no, it wasn't because I couldn't Wait, get was it was iTunes, iTunes around when you were reason. 11. Because I feel no, 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 it wasn't. It was I found a clip somewhere. It was on their website. They had like okay. a sound clip. Sure. That's what it was. Because if it was on iTunes, I would have just bought it. Yeah. But like, yeah, I couldn't, I could only find like that sample. And I remember I was like looking at like real Rhapsody player and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like I was like, dig, like I was getting deep. This is the and, greatest. Man. And so then I eventually, like, I think like a, a few days, a few days later, my mom got me the, the CD. See, my version of this is I was 15 and I really wanted to hear this song. And I heard it on the radio all the time. And I was like, I'm going to tape it the next time it's on the radio. Cause you used to be able to do yeah. that. And then, uh, it, of course, because I was looking for it, watched, yeah. watched pot, not boiling style. Yeah. It didn't come on for a long time. So I would literally try to find the song. And the song was, uh, Donna Lewis, uh, I love you that always forever. Still one of the most far. amazing songs. It, it, to this day, when it comes on like nineties on nine on satellite radio or something, I, it take immediately takes me back to that time because I wasn't listening allowed to listen to like secular music or or, yeah. pro, or top forty for a long time. This was sort of like the time my parents were really lax about that. But I remember just being hearing, hearing that song and being completely because you know when you're fifteen or even yeah. that age you feel everything. Yeah. And I felt Donald Lewis singing "I Love You Always yep. Forever," and so that's my sort of. I wanted to counter your embarrassing song. I appreciate that catch with with one of my own. That's but a I, way but better. I genuinely love that song though. That's a way better song than Mayberry by Rascal Flatts. <laughs> also, well, who's to decide, who's to that's, say? That's that's true. You know? I just love Donna Lewis. I recently rediscovered. Did you ever watch Anastasia? Oh yeah, Fox a long movie? time ago. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was like deep you in really the recesses do love of kids my mind. It's <laughs> like the sixth one you referenced in the recesses of my mind. I haven't seen that since I was actually a kid. But there was a song. There was a song that was a Donna Lewis Richard Marks duet. Yes. And I I like randomly stumbled across it the other day and I was like, this song is amazing. It's also the same song as the Donna <laughs> like the only Donna Lewis song that anybody of knows. Of course, yeah. Like but we the, all ignored it. The, oh yeah, yeah, because we just love it. We're like, yeah. give us like five more of these songs. Yeah. Just call it a different thing. But it's like the chorus is like, uh, it's like, life is a road and you want to keep going. Life is a river that on a dun dun. And I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. Yeah. And then I immediately covered it just for myself. Of course. It's, it reminds me of, uh, there was a Disney version in 94, I think, 93 maybe, of The Three Musketeers. Uh, yeah. You with, this at all? Was that with? Uh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. It was a live action. Yep. Uh, and what? 
has at the time was one of my favorite songs of all time uh, and a lot of people who are listening to this know what i'm about to say but the was it was a song it was a it was a a trio it's not a duet if it's three guys singing but the song yeah. was called all for one and one for all of course no what uh-huh. all for one no one for all all for love that's what it was called a take on the three musketeers you know who sang it sting brian adams and uh rod stewart Three guys who I was convinced until I heard them sing together were the same person. Uh, <laughs> I think they they actually did that. They did that. Uh, it's not a duet. What would we call a three dudes sing? They did that collaboration, I think, just to prove to people yeah. that they're all separate people. Uh, but they, <clears throat> the song is amazing because you, for a long time, I didn't know who was singing what part because they all sound very similar to me. Yeah. But I I was obsessed with that song, and there that song is essentially a, a a perfect combination of a Sting song, of a Brian Adams song, and a Rod Stewart song shoved together. That's amazing. It's it's hilarious, but also like still moves me. It's heavy synth. Yeah. There's a lot of like pad in it. It it still like moves me to this day. But I love that song when I was a kid. I I can't get beyond that title. Do you have a, a a bad or excruciatingly embarrassing story you can tell us about a show that you performed? It can be the show's fault. It can be your fault. It can yeah. be like the sound system crapping out. <clears throat> it's some situation where you played a show where you were like, well, this will be one that I tell people to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's funny because I have a couple and they're all like, they're all kind of like, they don't take very long to tell. Yeah. Um, one was like one of my first shows, well, like when I was in high school, Love it already. we were playing at this thing called, uh, so in, in my hometown, the only active music scenes that were actually fairly active were hip hop mm-hmm. and, and like hard metal. So that sounds like the South. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so we played like Coldplay and like Snow Patrol covers. So we like got a slot of this thing oh, and no. we were playing, it, it was called trailer fest and it was on a trailer. Of course it was. It was this like, and it was us and a bunch of hardcore bands. <laughs> and there's a moment where like, like in our set, literally I, I think was, I think maybe the hard, I think we had a muse song, but it was like one of the really poppy muse songs. Yeah. It was like starlight. Yeah. And so it was, it was like, we started with politic and oh, then we wow. did we did like Starlight and maybe like a few like a few originals, and then we did. Um, I would love it if like you were a metal band, but the covers you did were like earnest covers of Coldplay songs. <laughs> and then be someone like, out there has done that. It was all yellow, and now here's one of our songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would be incredible. So we did a Snow Patrol song. Okay. And yeah, and and so we like. I think we had like three Coldplay songs in that because we had like just done this, this snow patrol song and finished it. And we had like one more song and uh, you know, you do the customary like, Hey guys, like we've got one more song. Like, is that okay? And I said that and someone in the crowd yells, no, (laughs) which really trips you up because you do. Cause like we were supposed to play that many songs. Like <laughs> even if you hate the band, you're still like, woo, because you know, the sets about yeah. to be over with. You don't say no. No. So like we couldn't just get off because the other band wasn't even ready yet. <laughs> no. So I'm just like, well, we're going to play another one anyway. Well, that's too bad. Here it is. Anyway, <laughs> plug your ears for three minutes and 30 seconds. It was. <laughs> and then we, I think we played like talk by Coldplay or something, but then, then there was another moment where we played at a, this was like 
less than a year ago. We were playing at a like a baseball stadium. It was a really cool show, but like for whatever reason, it was like their first time. Like they were doing like a new format, like setting us up in like a different place in the stadium, mm-hmm. and they didn't have a way to like get my keyboard into the sound system. Like I'm, oh, I, I can't no. remember exactly what the issue was. So they they basically they just took a mic like an SM58 mic and like took like one of those little stands that you would put like next to a kick drum yeah. and taped it to the top of my keyboard no. and I happened to have external speakers no. on my keyboard. So <laughs> they they aimed the microphone down to the external speakers and that's how we legitimately played a show. How did it sound? As I mean, terrible as you would as think? As terrible as it possibly could. And it was like a good sized crowd. Like it sure. was like Well like, it's a baseball stadium. Yeah, it was like and that was how that was how we <laughs> we had and like the only like like our setup for City Harbor is like I play piano, we have a guy that plays guitar, and then two vocals. So like it's not like there's like there's like a big like lead guitar or like a like full drum cover kit like up. covering it up. Like oh, no. that is like the it's the only low end in the in the song. Like so there there was there is that. That's amazing. And then there was the moment where I was playing on a Christmas tour. I was playing Linus and Lucy. Yeah. Like that's how I would start the show, which was like still one of my favorite things. That sure. Did. And, but like to learn that song it takes like a long time because yeah. your hands are doing like totally different things. And so Vince Guaraldi doesn't learn mess it, around, man, man, that whole <laughs> record. So to learn that song, I had recorded myself doing the left hand and just like learned to play the right hand along to it. Mm-hmm. Cause my, keyboard had like a little record thing and it just never <clears throat> like just kind of forgotten that it was on there so we were playing our christmas set and <laughs> there's a moment where like we were like in our third like in the in the setup for the third song which is like the kind of the the like heart moment of the set it's mm-hmm. like the like kind of the somber like like you know beautifully solemn song and as as we're talking about it and like setting the song up I, I like set something on top of my keyboard and it hits the play button. And so the do, 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 like in the middle of Molly, like kind of talking about this like intimate moment she's had. At least it wasn't her singing. And so, yeah, that's true. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, who's doing, like, who's making that noise? Like, oh, you didn't know? Like, I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, it took me a second. I was like, how I'm not playing it. Oh, oh no. no! And and then of course, like, and it only it, it only went through the like the first couple measures. So then afterwards, I'm like, everyone in this in this place thinks that I just like fake played this song, like that I just have You're it recorded jerk. on my keyboard, and then I just press play and was like doing. You have this, this thing moment where you're like, finger. I haven't have not performed in thirty <laughs> seconds. Must play something, <laughs> and then you're just like Charlie Brown, boom, did it, like. <laughs> so I was. I think I legitimately had someone come up to me afterwards and ask me if if I had actually played that live yeah. or if I just had someone else play it and recorded it and press play on my keyboard. And I was like, no, I, I really did. Yeah, that's me. I, I I'm not Ashley Simpson from SNL. <laughs> I like, I promise. Like, I, I, I actually have talent. So the, yeah. That's amazing. Those are, that's like the, tri, the that's trifecta That's a great, wow. I feel a lot better about myself. <laughs> Good. That's well, what dude, I'm here thank for. You, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me. It doesn't take yeah. much to get you to hang out with me, thank goodness. But uh, I mean, I hope us talking about yeah. Lion King is, is what 
people are looking for. There will be a drinking game at the beginning of this podcast where every time you mention Lion King, 